The heart of the Sabbat. What does that truly mean? Zimish is its soul, La Sombra its heart. Some say the difference is in matters of corporeal and spiritual, that while the La Sombra tend to practical matters, that Zimish see to the morale and beyond. It is a sufficient analogy. The La Sombra are ruthless and Darwinist in their philosophy. As they look back on history, they rarely focus on the humans they were, but the gods they became. To the La Sombra, vampires are the next step of evolution, a master species to rule over the lesser kind as they see fit. And the La Sombra, in turn, shall rule over the other canites. The La Sombra founder is believed to have erred from the western Mediterranean area, and many of the clan's eldest likewise originate from this region of the world. The ocean has always been a strong element in La Sombra culture, and its inky, black depth calls to the clan in many ways. The La Sombra antediluvian was most likely a seafarer as well. The Sea People, a purported seafaring confederation known to have raided both ancient Egypt and the eastern parts of the Mediterranean region for hundreds of years, were supposedly worshippers of the La Sombra antediluvian, referred to as Lao Sombeo at the time. The Sea People were feared, and their pillaging caused untold destruction to the Bronze Age civilizations in and around Greece at the time. As the volcano on the island of Thera erupted in 1627 BC, the La Sombra brood set out to other corners of the world to seek better fortunes there. The ash-covered sky made for ideal living conditions for the vampires of the shadows, but it actively worsened the lives of mortals, and thus they had to find sustenance somewhere else. La Sombra itself traveled far during this time, siring childer in Africa and interior Asia, among them Montano, the strongest of the La Sombra anti-tribute. Piracy, or warfare between rival states, depending on how you look at it, continued in more or less the same vein for a long time in the Mediterranean, but as Alexander the Macedonian conquered and united the largest empire ever seen beneath him, there was little room for roaming pirates to loot and pillage as they were used to. Even after his death, his successors, the generals who each laid claim to parts of the land he had conquered, knew better than to tolerate raiders attacking their settlements. And when the Senate of Rome gave the general Pompey the mission to get rid of the pirates, he did so with gusto. Within a few months, he had effectively eradicated the last vestiges of the Sea People. During this time, the Maltese stronghold, an ancient fortress belonging to the La Sombra, was destroyed, and ever since, the Black Citadel of Sicily would serve as the La Sombra's most frequent haven. Thus, with the end of that particular era of piracy, the La Sombra once more dispersed, exploring all corners of the old world, seeking out potential childer and to further their own goals and ambitions. And since piracy was no longer an option, many La Sombra also sought to inundate themselves amongst the kind in the big cities. With a natural and selectively chosen talent for ruthless leadership, the keepers quickly found their niche amongst the kind. Finding rivalries with the Ventru, Toreador, and Malkavians, who likewise mingled with the mortals to sate their own thirst for power and influence. Still, the La Sombra knew, or at least claimed they did, that direct rulership was never an objective in itself. Even today, you would be hard-pressed to find the La Sombra actually interacting with the kind she rules in any meaningful way. As mentioned before, most of the Keepers considered themselves above and beyond humanity. Thus, their interactions could at best be compared to a farmer occasionally giving their livestock a pat on the head while they sharpen their axe. 
the paths of enlightenment, the Sabbat alternative codes of morality, are also said to have been, at least partially, inspired by the La Sombra code of ethics, which is known to have existed, in writing, at least from the era of the beginning of Christianity. And while other precursors to paths, metamorphosis with its Ashida Haka immediately coming to mind, these roads or philosophies were rarely as codified and exact as the La Sombras, and thus its structure served as a major influence upon those who worked in 1666 in the Black Monastery to codify their own moral regimes. Gratiano de Veronese, his embrace and subsequent betrayal of the La Sombra at the Diluvian is a well-known story by now. But it bears repeating that there are still many questions left unanswered. How could the antediluvian, a master strategist, so blindly fall into the trap of its youngest child? Was Gratiano supported by someone else, another antediluvian? Was it a suicide with De Veronese merely the instrument with which it took his life? Did the antediluvian truly die, or did it, like many believe about Simish, survive in some other less human form? Two factors were crucial in the events that followed, the courts of blood and the Amici Nocti, or Friends of the Night. Instituted by La Sombra itself, the courts of blood was a way to control and temper the desire between La Sombra clan members to prey on each other. With their cutthroat Darwinian nature, the keepers often had trouble cooperating or burying old grievances, and the courts were instituted as a means to provide justice in a most basic sense a council of friends of the night who would hear the grievance, look at the evidence presented, and pass judgment. Naturally, far from every case put forth to this court ends with a verdict of destruction. In fact, over half of the cases are dismissed outright, at some loss of honor for the plaintiff, and sometimes a lesser punishment is deemed appropriate, such as destruction or appropriation of some of the accused's property. If they do end up deciding in favor of the plaintiff, the La Sombra has a limited amount of time and tries, depending on the verdict, to conduct the destruction, and witnessed by a court-nominated La Sombra. Should they fail to destroy the accused, the verdict will no longer be in effect. In theory, the courts are supposed to be anonymous, a sort of voice of tradition, abstracted from the myriad voices of individual La Sombra. While the trials are conducted in absolute darkness, any La Sombra who can perceive through it is allowed to do so, but to act upon their knowledge outside of the courts, to acknowledge that another La Sombra sat on their case, it would mean final death, almost guaranteed. The Amici Nocti are secretive about their true identities, and for good reason, as the blood courts are still a controversial topic to the rest of the Sabbat. As the courts exist outside the Sabbat hierarchy, it can upset the internal structure of the Sword of Cain, as a low-ranking La Sombra may indeed press charges against someone far higher up in the Sabbat chain of command and may even win. But who are the Amici Nocti? The Friends of the Night are composed of certain elders and highly talented younger La Sombra who have been hand-picked to become members of the group. They are the Vox La Sombra, ostensibly formed to objectively and without bias guide the clan through dangerous times and protect its interests. Of course, as with any other exclusive political body, most members of the Amici Nocti are fully aware of what their own idea of the clan's interest is, and so pursue those goals. To join the Amici Nocti, one must be invited. If one fails the test to evaluate one's worth, there will never be a second invitation. Once you are a member, however, even if you are anti-tribute, you are welcome to participate in gatherings and courts. 
While relatively clandestine in their operations, enough Lasombra are friends to the point where most canines of the clan who have cut their baby fangs, so to speak, would know one or two members at least. When Gatiano had slain his sire, Lasombra, he publicly declared before the Amici Nocti that he intended to reforge the clan into something greater than it had been, and dared them to condemn him for it. They did not. In fact, a significant number of the friends joined De Veronese in his ambitions, while the others chose merely to observe. Gratiano, in turn, denounced the role of antediluvian, claiming that no one should pick up the throne after this, and that each clan member should be free to pursue their own goals and ambitions. Montano, La Sombra's oldest child, despised both Gratiano and what he had unleashed upon the Clan of the Night, and he, along with a few other supporters of his, became the first La Sombra anti-tribute. Even before Gratiano's coup, Montano had realized that his brother had planned something, but the antediluvian did not listen to its oldest child's warnings. Montano had been sympathetic to the anarch cause initially, but his views were permanently soured when he witnessed what De Veronese brought upon the founder and eldest of his clan. Montano ended up joining the Camarilla, at least nominally, and his disappointment in what the main body of the clan has become has not since faltered in intensity. He does not remember the events of his sire's diablerie clearly, and believes that perhaps his memories have been tampered with, something that can only be done by one of his peers, or the antediluvian itself. The Primogen Council gives its eternal gratitude to Maximilian S. Hardcastle, whose wisdom and experience helped guide our council's decisions in these long nights, and best wishes to the elders Dante the Canine and What's That Smell It's Blood for their loyalty and service to its cause. It would also wish to thank the Ancillae Edward Reed, Colin Gifford and Harry Wyckoff, as well as its ardent neonates for their continued support. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there for Gehenna may soon be upon us.